0: Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your faithful love, the love that was lavished upon us that we would be called children of God, and especially this time of the year, Lord, that we just celebrate that. We celebrate your goodness. We celebrate your attention as it was directed towards mankind. We celebrate that it was you who took our sins upon yourself and dealt with them and cast them as far as the east is from the west. And so, Father, I pray that this this resurrection year would truly be a celebration of salvation for ours, Lord, but also those whom you are calling even today. So, Lord, we just lift up our time together, that you would bless it, that you would speak to us, guide us in and through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, "Happy Happy Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. You're supposed to look at the elbow and then. Uh-huh. <laughs> Apparently, because it's Palm Sunday, I should have told you to give uh, your person next to you a high five. Palm. Get it? I didn't say it was funny. I just said that's what I should have done. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. And as you are turning there, um, we've been praying for Jim Simmons quite regularly. I got a call last night. It was about, I think it was around 1030 and um, they were taking Jim to the hospital once again. Jim's had heart issues. He had a massive heart attack about 20 years ago. They installed the defibrillator uh, inside under his skin, and it monitors his heart. And it went off six times last night. And so they brought him to the hospital, and he's been dealing with this, as I said, quite regularly. Um, Jim, more than likely, I, I think it's a definite now, is going to need a heart transplant and the thing about a heart transplant your heart has to be bad obviously but everything else has to be really good if they're going to put a heart in you they're rare they want to make sure that you're healthy and so Jim's having to go through a whole battery of tests which I think they're going to start accelerating and so um, Terry and I went to visit Jim this morning before we came here to church he's in good spirits doing well watching the golf tournament Um, I, I believe hey Jim He's watching us right now. Everybody say hi to Jim. And now let's pray for him. Father, we do come before you and we lift up our brother, Jim, and just pray, Lord, that you would minister to him, even in that hospital room with the nurses and all. But, Father, we know that you're above even that, Lord, that you're able to touch him and deliver him. And so, Father, I don't know the work that you want to do in this man's life, but we just pray that it would come to fruition. And the bottom line, the end result is that you would be glorified. And so, Father, we lift him up to you and just pray that you would bless him with the healing we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 21. Uh Uh-oh, I forgot. Does anybody need a Bible? If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Everybody's good. All right, Scott. I messed up. Matthew 21, we're starting at verse 1. This is the triumphal entry, otherwise known as Palm Sunday. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, and we know this to be Zechariah 9-9, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal, of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, they laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cry out, cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Lord, we know that you are a prophet, but so much more. Son of God, you are our Savior, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, Father, this... This section of scripture that we have is so rich in, in the actual event, but also, Father, in the typology that exists here. Help us to gain all the things that you would have for us today, that, Lord, we would be effective for your work, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. So the triumphal entry, well, this is what is called the triumphal entry, but there's more than one triumphal entry that the Lord will make. The triumphal entry back then is on a donkey. There's going to come a time in the future that it's going to be on a horse. How you perceive who Jesus Christ is, well, that will dictate who he is as he comes into your life, and I'll explain that in a minute, but... Both of the Lord's triumphal entries, they are going to be grand, and they are going to be glorious. For some, it's the day of their salvation, and it's a glorious day, and it's an exciting thing. This will be the Lord coming, riding on a donkey, this king coming in peace. For others, it's going to be a day of despair. It's going to be a day, well, it's going to be the absolute terror of the Lord. The Lord. And it will be those who see Jesus coming to them, riding on a white horse, that picture of a conquering king. And so again, it's all a matter of perspective, but it's a matter of perspective based upon a decision that you have made for the Lord Jesus Christ concerning the gospel as it has been presented to you. We're going to see there are those today in the scriptures that I just read who got it. There's going to be others who were far from it. And so really what we're looking at here today, what I'm going to be focusing on is a tale of two horses. Just think about it. You're standing on a road and somebody said, well, there's a man on a horse and he's looking for you. You would be more than likely just concerned, especially today. Why in the world is somebody riding a horse today? Well, let's put us back when they rode on horses. But nonetheless, you could hear the sound of the horse coming around the bend and you're wondering, who would you rather it be? If it's Alexander the Great or some conquering king, you would be concerned. What if? Well, what if he has you in his sights? Then your days will be numbered. What if it was? Well, looking back in history, somebody like John Wesley. John Wesley was a man who rode thousands of miles for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Well, if a city and Alexander the Great was entering in, you would be real concerned for your life and your welfare. But again, if it was John Wesley that was coming in. I know they didn't live at the same periods of time, but nonetheless, here was a man who was coming to peace. He was coming to share the gospel, to bring salvation to people. Now, if you were now told, it was the Lord. It's the Lord who is riding down the road to meet you. How would you like to see him? As you would hear that clip-clop, you would wonder, white horse or donkey? Because the difference is going to do that. It's going to make... All the difference. Now, most of us, because of bat- past Bible studies, we understand that a king coming riding on a donkey is a king who is coming in peace. He is not one who's desiring to make war, but he's coming usually a visitation of some sort or to bring peace terms. The Bible tells us that we'll all see him at different points of time, either riding on a donkey or riding on a horse. Now, I'm going to look at it from the perspective of a believer. There was the day that he came into your life, he was riding on a donkey. He was coming in peace, and he was coming, and he was bringing the gospel message. Somebody shared the gospel message because, see, the Lord doesn't really use donkeys anymore. Well, I guess he may, but uh, the point is he uses you. He he uses his people to share the word of God, and that's how the Lord rides into people's lives. But that's how it worked for me. I mean, there was... Quite a few periods of time when somebody, the Lord sent whoever it might have been, with the gospel into my life, and there was finally the day that I surrendered, and there was that triumphal entry as Jesus Christ entered into my life. But there's also going to come a time in the future. Now again, it's all a matter of perspective, because I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because I have repented of my sins and submitted my life to Jesus Christ, not because of works of righteousness, which I have done, but because of his sacrificial death, he has come into my life and he has changed it. But there's going to be that second triumphal entry. And it's not going to be so much Jesus entering into my life. He's already done that. But it's going to be me following him as he enters into the lives of others. But the problem then is he's not going to be riding on a donkey. No longer is he going to be a king coming in peace, but he is going to be a king who is coming in judgment as he rides upon that white horse. And so I have to understand, I have to realize that because of the great love with which God loves me, we see the gospel and all that he has done, but he also makes sure that all of humanity hears the gospel there's going to be none who are able to stand before his throne of judgment with any sort of excuse and so i thank the lord because he opened my heart and opened my mind i thank the lord that he came in and he dwells with me and he's ministered to me through sending the people that he has not to my church as a pastor but to myself as a christian i have a friend a very dear friend who called me the text me the other day and said hey i'm in town he lives in texas now i want to know if you want to you know if you have time we could have a cup of coffee together unfortunately i wasn't able to have that cup of coffee but just that blessing of having the fellow believers and, and and brothers and sisters who are concerned when there's a prayer request to know that the church is lifting it up in prayer when there's a need such as well I mentioned it just two weeks ago. Ann Lett, um, she has since gone to be with the Lord. We're going to be having her services services here uh, in two weeks, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. But I brought to the church that there was a need. There was a need, about $1,200, because the family couldn't afford the cremation, and they're in Arizona right now, and they want to come and have the services here. And you rose up, and you provided. We paid that bill. And not only do we pay that bill, but there's enough to pay their expenses to come out and to go back home. And there's also enough to pay for the expenses of the service that day and have food and and, and all of that stuff. And this is just an outpouring of the love of Christ. It's what a body should be, but more than that, it's what a family should be. Looking, Looking out for one another and caring for one another. And if we understand that, we see the magnitude of the great love with which God had because for those of you who gave towards Anne, and you didn't give towards Anne, it's just not a big deal whatsoever but for those of you who gave towards Anne, most of you knew her and understood her ministry and her situation and and all of that there there was no you weren't required to do that you just did so did did so because of an outpouring of love and a desire to minister to her and that's the same thing that god has done to all of us and it's that which we must grasp on to you must understand the value of of the church because there's value in the body of christ for the giving of the word and that's far above everything else and far above value but there's also the the blessing of the fellowship that we have with one another and it's that fellowship that we have to enter in, and it's that bond that we need to build with one another because there could be the day of hardship when you need what the body of Christ has to offer. And just as important, we need what you have to offer as well. And so, as far as Jesus Christ and how he enters in today, we preach the word because of the love that has been bestowed upon us. We so desire to see it bestowed upon others because, again, it's all going to be a matter of perspective seeing christ coming on a donkey or seeing him coming for judgment on a white horse and the apostle paul said in second corinthians five eleven, knowing therefore the terror of the lord to stand before the throne of god apart from a relationship with jesus christ the terror of the lord seeing this king coming riding on this white horse for the purpose of judgment paul says we persuade men Are you able to persuade somebody who asks of you, what must they do to be saved? Let's just look at a fish that's jumping in the boat here rather than going and dragging the dragging net. This is somebody, hey, what must I do to be saved? How would you answer them? (laughs) Go see Pastor Mike. You know, I put money in the offering every week, and that's his job, and, you know, that's not my job, man no you must be prepared to give that reason because look at that silly illustration so they go okay well where's pastor mike and what happens if they die on the way over here and you had that opportunity just before to give them the gospel now all who god desires to be saved are going to be saved there's no doubt about that but we should all be prepared to be that vessel where Christ goes riding into somebody else's life. We should all have the gospel prepared within our heart. When somebody asks, what must I do, to be able to tell them what they must do. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't have to give them 10 points of what they need to do. You need to understand that you're a sinner. You need to repent of your sins. And then you need to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ through his word. It's an act that occurs within your heart. But it's an instantaneous act. As you have the desire, you repent of your sins, and you open your heart to the Lord, it's then that Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, if you will, that triumphal entry into your life. And so because of this, Jesus will one day return riding on a white horse in judgment. So we share the gospel to those who have yet to come to receive the peace of God through Jesus Christ. And what an awesome opportunity that we have Next Sunday, if it's anything like past Sundays, look at our church. There's going to be twice as many people here. And I always want to stand up there and say, where in the world are you people all year long? But that's not good for church growth or anybody's salvation. But that's okay. It's okay to one degree in that there's another opportunity. There's an opportunity for Calvary Chapel, Ontario to rise up. And so the idea is, isn't who I'm going to be uh, able to attract, who Pastor Mike's able to attract, but who are you going to invite? Who are you going to bring? We're sending out, what was like 3,500 mailers? Look at Lark, because he's the one who's going to bring them to all the houses. Um, we're sending out thousands of mailers i can't remember how many thousands of mailers next uh next week and again just pray for that and pray that they would fall upon hearts that are are, that are open to salvation open to hearing god's gospel message actually it's probably around twelve thousand. but anyway um, we're we're sending out quite a few of them Um, pray and and the good thing about that is it's the gift that keeps giving I can't tell you how many people, you know, will show up like in the middle of summer and said, yeah, I had this thing on my refrigerator since last Easter time, and finally, I always meant to come, and finally today, I've I've come. We've got a few people, maybe even sitting here today, that that have done that, and so what we're looking at here today, again, is the triumphal entry, the first coming into Jerusalem of the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 1, by the way, it's about four days before his crucifixion at this point. It says in verse 1, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. So they're coming in the direction, they're coming from the west. The Mount of Olives surrounds the city. And as they're coming in, this is the direction from which the sheep who have been in pasture would be coming from. The sheep, as they were kept and raised for the purpose of sacrifice, those sheep, those sheep who are without spot and without blemish, would be coming in the same absolute direction on the very same day. Because this day is the day when the families would receive their sheep. We're told in Exodus chapter 12 for the celebration of the Passover how many people are to be able to celebrate the Passover with, well, how many people per individual lamb? I was going to say individual sheep, but that's plural. individual lamb. And, And so those who figure such things out, and you've heard this before around this time of the year, they believe that there was close to 2 million men of military age, plus their families in Jerusalem at this point. So the place was absolutely packed and because of doing the math with the proportions and all this there would be some 250,000 sheep that would be herded over that hill that day can you imagine what that must look like I mean have you seen a lamb a little cute little lamb you know you see him on Facebook and you know they're prancing around and all that and they're kind of a cool thing and and whatnot and, but just to see that sea of white coming over that hill Well, this is the day that the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, because all of those sheep and all of the sacrifices that those sheep represent were only able to cover sin. And the problem is man just kept sinning because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so the lambs had to keep dying. And and there was, if you will, for lack of a better term, a sewer system that went out from the sacrificial area and dumped into the brook Kidron. And at this time of the year, that brook was like a river. And what you need to see is this river of blood that was necessary to cover the sins of men but can never permanently deal with it. But now in the middle of those sheep, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Again, remember John the Baptist uttered those those words, Behold, check out. The Lamb of God, who is the sacrifice he, I'm paraphrasing, who's the sacrifice of sacrifices, because this Lamb is going to take away the sins of the world. This is a day, as we enter in again to Matthew chapter 21, that is a day like no other. So Jesus is on the fringes of town. He's overlooking the humanity of Jerusalem. He sees the lostness of the people. He knows their unbelief. He understands their situation, and he's also realizing, he's realized it before, that they're missing the whole point of what is going on here, of what is happening here. Because the Jews, the Jews are under Roman occupation, and they're beside themselves that these unclean heathens have come in and conquered them and now have dominion over them. And so what are they looking for? They're looking for somebody similar to Judas Maccabees, He's a man who, in a similar situation, from what I recall, was like two to 300 years before, he rose up and he led the people in rebellion uh, against the nation that had come in and conquered them, and they're hoping the same thing happens again. Maybe even it starts on this day. A symbol of the Maccabean rebellion was a palm leaf, and so that's where the palm leaves come into the equation. It's an expression of what they believe or who they believe Jesus Christ is. And so they're well aware, for whatever reason, that he is coming in, and they're prepared. You see, when you have an army, if your army is spread out, not a lot you can do. But when your army is consolidated, now there's an opportunity here. And so the Jews are of this mindset, because the men that were to present themselves during the Passover meal were men of military age, all those 20 years and older. There's a prime opportunity. The only thing missing is a leader is some charismatic leader to rise up, to pull them together, and to spur them on. Well, here's Jesus. This man has been drawing multitudes unto himself. This man is different than all others. The words he speaks... They're penetrating the hearts of people, even those who aren't believers. There's that conviction there. They just see the power of the word that this man has. This man has raised the dead. This man is anointed by God, and in their mind, he's anointed by God for this absolute purpose. But this breaks the heart of the Lord, as we're told in Luke's account of the triumphal entry. This is the city that Jesus is going to weep over because of their lack of belief, because they're just wanting to, Jesus to do what we expect our politician to do. We'll, we're coming up on another election in a couple of years, year and a half whatever it is, and we're going to expect that next president, to whether it's the same one or a new one, to deliver us. Deliver us from our financial crush deliver us from and again just all the things of society and so we're going to be looking at the one that we believe is going to redirect this nation and set this nation back on a good course deliver us from all of the evil in it but unfortunately the majority of this nation is not going to look to god for that purpose they're going to look to man and that man is going to fail and then for a woman or four years later they'll throw them out and they'll bring somebody new in And it just keeps coming as a succession of failure because man's always going to fail. But Jesus Christ that day is going to achieve a victory, well, through that week, is going to achieve a victory as nobody else has ever achieved a victory. The Lamb of God who has taken away, or who at this point will take away the sins of the world. So we have this feast, the Feast of Passover, where the sacrificial lamb will be killed in a few days. That's what we celebrate on Good Friday. But these were one of the three feasts that all men, as I said earlier, of military age were required to present themselves in Jerusalem. Those three feasts were Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And so we have this rich typology of what is going on and God's getting ready to do a work as no work has ever been done before. And so here comes Jesus riding into town. But remember how you were when Jesus came riding into your life we have a perfect expression of that in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. It says, for when we were still without strength, we could do nothing for our situation, in due time, according to God's timetable, Christ died for the ungodly. You were a wretched sinner on that day when Christ entered into your life. We all were. You were not deserving of the salvation that God had to offer. Because we can look at these people and these same people who are going to be crying out Hosanna in just a little bit or saved now looking to them as their worldly savior are going to be the same ones who later on scream out crucify him crucify him and we'll look at them we'll think man were these people crazy Were you were just as some crazy at some point in your life you were just as far from God at some point in your life for when we were still without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die, but God, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so he's coming into town, not for the good people. He's coming into town for those people who have this misconception of who he is. He's coming into town for the people who are going to be yelling, crucify him. I yelled, crucify him, not in those words, but in unbelief, when I heard the gospel, I wanted Christ killed out of my life. I don't want to hear it. Why? Because it made me feel uncomfortable. As Americans, we shouldn't be felt, made to be felt uncomfortable. Should we? Well, it was when I was brought to the point of despair that I opened my life to Christ verses 1 through 3. Now when he drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he sent them. I don't know what is going on here there's been different perspectives from how this was presented Did jesus just know that those supernaturally that those donkeys were going to be there did he just know because of the power of the will of god and god's plan that if anybody said anything they were going to let them take them or was it something that he had set up before because we see that god's plan for salvation is all worked out in detail I don't know the answer to any of those specifically everybody has their own opinions but the one thing i know is this is necessary even essential because just as necessary for jesus to die upon that cross it was necessary for him to fulfill scripture we looked at that to a degree on thursday night as we started looking at psalm 22 the psalm of the cross we'll be finishing up this coming thursday but you see how essential it was for Jesus to, de- to fulfill the details of the cross Well, the other details that are presented in the Old Testament as well. If Jesus does not fulfill even one of the Old Testament prophecies, then we have no Savior and we are still dead in our sins and our trespasses. Israel today, the Jews today, they continue to look for another Savior because they have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior another interesting thing is is that we are told here that the lord has need of this donkey again verse three if anyone says anything to you you shall say the lord has need of them and immediately he will send them again this speaks of how the lord partners with us has brought us into his equation how he uses mankind he doesn't have to use mankind we see in the scripture he uses a donkey When they told the the Jewish leaders in another account of the triumphal entry, when the Jews told them, tell your people to be quiet. They ought not to be giving you praises. Jesus said, hey, if they should be quiet, even these rocks will cry out. And and so God doesn't have to have us, but God chooses to use us. He uses a man-made manger to be born in. He borrowed a boat to preach from. He died on a cross that he borrowed, if you will, from you. It should have been your cross. He was loaned a tomb to stay in for just a couple of three days, and now he uses somebody else's donkey to ride in on. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, we are told, "...for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich." Romans 10:14 How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed and how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher The Lord still partners with mankind today as again you're the one who is to share the word you are his mouthpiece into the darkness of this world Verse 5 Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now when it comes to fulfillment of prophecy... It's the riding of the donkey that has gotten top billing, the prophecy of this verse. But it's important to understand who it is seated upon the donkey and what he is displaying to mankind in the fulfillment of the scripture. So the scripture wasn't just given just for the purpose of fulfilling, of riding in on a donkey, because it said he was riding on a donkey, but also not, of a greater importance is to recognize the person who is riding on the donkey and his purpose for coming in peace. And so the first thing that we're told, he's just, he's just, he's absolutely righteous. This speaks of the characteristic of his rule. As he rules, he is absolute fair, that underneath his leadership, justice is going to reign. What is good, what is right, what is fair will always prevail. And so either way that you perceive him, if it's on a donkey, justice through his death. It was necessary for Jesus Christ to die upon the cross because a penalty had to be paid for the breaking of God's law. It was necessary, it was essential, because when you start ignoring laws, then the whole of society falls apart. There has to be an adherence to the law. And so mankind, we could never adhere to the law, and so judgment was due us all. We were in a situation we could do nothing about, but here, because of the great love of God and his grace in Jesus Christ, justice is going to reign because he's going to pay the price. If it's a white horse, justice is going to be served by your death. So with the donkey, justice is served by his death, With the white horse, justice would be served by the unbeliever's death, but the result is going to be peace. Secondly, our conquering king brings salvation. It's usually the conquering king that you need to be saved from, but here's a conquering king riding on a donkey. He's riding on a donkey, and it's not that we need to be saved from him. It's that he has come to save us. The idea that this king is salvation for all who belong to him. John 1:12, but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. Our king, our King is gentle or lowly, in Mark 10:45 For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Bible tells us that Jesus was obedient, he was submitted, and he was a servant. How much more so should we? We have this great contrast that exists as we move on in chapter 21 as we head over to verse 6. First, those who are spiritually faithful and obedient and who are adhering to the words or the commands of Christ, if you will, in verse 6, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They were simply obedient to the word of God. Those who will be saved, it comes about through the obedience of those whom God calls and God sins they don't question what the lord says they probably don't understand what the lord has asked them to do but it's the essence of obedience they do it anyway and then we have a very powerful verse here that could be easily missed in verse seven they brought the donkey and the colt laid their clothes on them and set him on them they have this donkey and they understand i don't know if jesus told them or they just realize what's going on that he's going to be riding this donkey and he's going to be riding this donkey into town and so they take their clothes off and they lay him on this donkey and there's a powerful union here the old testament prophecies and the new testament reality the holy spirit i would imagine kind of enlightened their hearts to a degree of what's going on but you see a great picture of their submission to jesus christ as their saviour when they take their clothes off and they put them on this donkey, the picture is them taking off their righteousness and laying it on this donkey for the purposes of the Lord. And notice what it says that they do. It's kind of interesting to me. It says they set him on the donkey. Didn't say he climbed up on the donkey. They set him on the donkey. They have to come to an understanding and a realization that he is the one who's come to fulfill these prophecies. He is the Messiah without a doubt in their mind again they're not understanding the whole picture but they're being obedient in what they know that they need to do and that's all God requires of us what is it that God has called you to do what is it that God has spoken to your heart number one has got to be salvation but after that God desires to use all of his people that we would be a fully functioning body that every member would do its part and that everybody would enter into the work that God wants to do. See, you, you have your, your natural family, and if you've ever had a prodigal child or whatever the situation may have been, somebody who just wasn't content or happy in the family and became an outcast, there was always that heartbreak, because here we are gathering together for family functions, and so-and-so was just kind of out there, and there's always that desire to invite him back and to bring him back into the fold. And it's the same thing with the family here is everybody's together, we do well. When people start to fragment or to separate, it's never a good thing. And so here we see their obedience, their desire, and seemingly even their understanding of the scriptures. The second group in the contrast of those who gather around the Lord, they seem to be very similar to the first group. But remember, these are the ones who broke the heart of the Lord, verses 8 through 11 and a very great multitude. So notice this proportion here. You have his disciples. It just says disciples. It doesn't say apostles. His apostles would be part of the disciples. A disciple is not necessarily an apostle, but an apostle is a disciple. And so there was the apostles there, without a doubt. And there was probably a few more disciples. We don't know who exactly. But the great multitude, in verse 8, spread their clothes on the road. Well, you look at that and you would think, well, Pastor Mike, they put, you know the the disciples put there on the horse they put on the road isn't that just equally as good it's only equally as good if you have the proper perspective of who jesus is and so once again his apostles his disciples i don't think again they really understood it but they realized fulfillment of scripture coming on this donkey for the purposes that we've just looked at but unfortunately the other people they've got a different purpose in mind for jesus christ they think that he's coming to deliver them from Roman occupation. And so we're, really what you need to see and how you come to this understanding is not just the clothes. They're willing to submit themselves to him as long as he's willing to submit himself to their will. And it's in, intermingled with these palm branches we know to be palm branches. It says, "In a very great multitude spread their clothes <coughs> on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna. You know what Hosanna means? It means, again, save now, or maybe more accurate uh, definition would be deliver now. They're not saying go to the cross and get the work for the forgiveness of sins of mankind done. No, again, they're wanting him to come and to bring them together, unify him, and to expel Rome. Hosanna to the son of David. The idea is restore us back to who we used to be. Now when they call him son of David, the idea is they believe at this point, or at least they suspect that he is the Messiah. But it's very unfortunate, and this is where the world misses it today, they want Messiah based upon the terms that they are dictating. Again, that's why Hosanna saved now, and they're have this outward expression just as judas did of worshiping him when judas kissed the face of the lord but later on again they'll be crying out crucify him hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest and when he had come into jerusalem all the city was moved saying who is this so the multitude said this is jesus the prophet from nazareth of galilee the world refers to him as a prophet. The world today would refer to him as just a prophet, of the prophets such as those who were before. But in Israel, a prophet a prophet could be a problem because Jerusalem is the one who kills their prophets. You're a good prophet as long as you're saying what we like what you say. Uh, a year ago, or so we were studying Jeremiah, and we saw the abuse that he took because he preached the truth. Here, they're at least recognizing him as a prophet. What does a prophet do? A prophet speaks the will of God, the word of God to humanity. And they should have had ears to hear and listen to the message that he had to say. But that wasn't their desire, that wasn't their will. And because of their desire to fulfill their will, they cast themselves into outer darkness. It's the ultimate expression of pride. And pride kills, and pride kills every time. Their great hope is before him right now. But unfortunately, they seem to have a good perspective, but they they didn't. We're told in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me that day on the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in your name? He's speaking of all the religious things that man will do. Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why? Because they were doing those things. It was an outward expression of their own righteousness and not an outward expression of the righteousness of Christ that was within them. Lord, Lord... Our words can be so empty when they're not based upon truth and a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what's your perspective? What's your perspective of Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ on that donkey or is, he, is there going to be that time when you see him riding on that white horse? Have you looked to Christ to hear the message? And again, not so much a donkey, but somebody else, somebody else who shared the word, Because there is going to be that time. This, what we're describing is his first coming. There is going to be that second coming. And I speak of this white horse. And this is the section of scripture where I get it. Revelation 19 verses 11 through 21. It says, well, I'm just going to read actually to 16. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, speaks of his deity. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Nobody can completely know the totality of Christ. Verse 13, he was clothed with a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, this will be us, and and uh, um, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress, speaks of his judgment, of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you look at the beginning of the Bible, it makes a truth statement. In the beginning, God. The Bible's not offering you its perspective, it's not asking you your uh, opinion, it's stating a definite fact, in the beginning God. And here's another area where it's doing exactly the same thing. Who is he? He's the king of all kings, of kings that have ever existed. He's the Lord of all lords, and we've made so many things our Lord, that which we're obedient to, but this is the Lord of lords above all other names. And the only way that you are able to come and to subject yourself before a holy God in this day is to understand the magnitude of the message. And it's to set aside your pride and to realize, well, look at the state of our nation. Think of our nation as an individual. This individual did so well as it sought after God and applied biblical morals and principles to it, and it was healthy, and it was strong, and it was moving forward, and it was an example to all the world. But then slowly but surely it backslid. It set aside the truth. It put aside the morals, and it started living according to its own ways and according to its own will. Our nation our nation, has been reduced because of its rejection to God, and there's going to come a time when judgment is going to come just as in the life of the individual. The individual who either hears the message and comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or rejects it. It's the message that the apostle Peter preached the day he was filled with the Spirit. It says in Acts chapter 2, won't be on the board, but Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both lord and christ now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do then peter said to them repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of jesus because of the remission of sins that you may receive the gift of the holy spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and then to us or all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call and so there's our purpose God's call God's call goes out through the body of Christ it goes out as you go off into your life and you have that opportunity to share the word of God to those who brings God brings into your life or whoever it is that you'll bring to church to hear the message that God has given to us for this coming Sunday or maybe one night during this week as we're going to have a full schedule this week. But my point in all of this is isn't to build a bigger Calvary Chapel, it's to expand the body of Christ. And the only way the body of Christ is going to be expanded is when his people are obedient. Are obedient. If man failed to preach the gospel, even the rocks would have cried out. If they didn't go down and get that donkey and bring it back, God would have worked it out anyway but he chooses to partner with you. He choo- I mean, just think of that. Lord God Almighty chooses to use you, to partner with you, to achieve his purposes. Understand the magnitude of the privilege that that is. God has laid this responsibility before us this day. Father, once again, we just thank you, Lord, for your word, your word that teaches and instructs, your word that offers comfort and peace into our life. But also, I pray, your word that has that biting edge that convicts our hearts, Lord, in the areas of our disobedience, because we all have areas of disobedience. And so, Father, I pray that this resurrection season, that your church would rise up. I pray for our week of prayer and fasting. I pray, Father, that, that, that the members of our church would look at that insert and just make a determination that they're going to set time aside to pray and to fast with this great work that you want to do. I pray, Father, that we would have the mindset and know that, Lord, even as we attend church, we're, we're, we're drawing the attention of the world to, so that they would know something's going on over there. And that, Father, we would be learners, that we would be prepared in your word to give a hope to those, Lord, who are out there who have no hope whatsoever. And so, Father, help us to be obedient to this cause. I also lift up this time, too, If you've yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you had an improper perspective of who he is, I encourage you to read the Bible. Ask somebody. Ask somebody a question that's around you and to be open to the leading of the Spirit. Ask God to reveal himself to you, and he will reveal himself to you. What does God expect of us? Just that we would come to the realization that we're sinners and that we would repent of our sins and that we would embrace him. And you just simply do this through belief. And so, Father, I lift up those here today who, who one day will see you riding on that white horse, but they would be receptive to you today as you ride into their lives in peace on that donkey. And so, Father, as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, I just pray for right now that you would meet each individual in this place. Meet us in the midst of our disobedience. Meet us in the midst of our sin meet us in the midst of our failures meet us in the midst of of our health concern financial concerns whatever it might be but father we would understand that this is the body of christ and understand that there could be future members of the body of christ amongst us even right now and praying that you would bring many even next week and so father this is the ministry that you have laid before us i pray father we're going to take just a few minutes a few minutes of silence if there's something that you need to give to the Lord, we're, we're on the cusp of this coming week. It's a very holy week. And again, it's a week that ends next Sunday with an opportunity. Every member must be on deck and we must be prepared. But as far as sin, sin separates us from the Lord and, and, and it kind of sets us on the sideline. So if there's anything that you need to repent of, I'm talking about born-again believers right now. If there's anything you need to repent of, do that before the Lord. Ask God that He would reveal to yourself if there's anything there that, that needs to be dealt with, and that again you would repent of it and give it over to the Lord. If you've yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is a work that God does within your heart. Again, ju- just ask Him. Just ask Him to come into your life. Ask Him to speak to you and have a heart to be obedient to what He says. Let's just take a few minutes just to examine our lives and to open them before the Lord and to present them before the Lord in a spirit of obedience. Just take a minute or so. father we just thank you once again for this day and i just pray father for lord this glorious opportunity that we have to just pray and just to come before you to intercede but also lord to intercede for ourselves to speak for ourselves to pray to you and to talk to you and that you are our god and our lord and you always have an ear for us and so lord we just thank you for this palm sunday or this triumphal entry. And so, Lord, you have triumphed in the life of the believer. You desire for the unbeliever. I just pray, God, that this day that your will would come to pass, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you all stand, please? If you want to know more about a relationship with Christ, just see me in the back. And then, hold on. We have a special word from... You're talking to my ear. <laughs>
1: Um, just when Sean was um, talking about the door hangers, they, they're perforated at the oh, bottom. And there's an invitation so you can give it to your hairdresser or your... Um, I'm so nervous, I've never done this before. <laughs> she but stormed it. the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, your neighbor or, you know, your hairdresser or at Trader Joe's where we shop, they always ask us, what are you doing this weekend? And we always say, we're going to church. You could say, Do you celebrate Easter? And if they say no, you could say, Well, we're celebrating Easter at our church and give them a card. So imagine that Trader Joe um, clerk getting 10 cards from 10 different people. Maybe he'll know that God's calling him to go to church.
0: So yeah, so it's a means of outreach. So stick this part on somebody's door, give that part to somebody else. That's a great idea. So
1: there's a whole bunch of them at the information um, booth.
0: I thought of that. No, she actually thought of that. <laughs> This week we have our time of prayer and fasting that is coming up. And again, it's kind of spelled out in that insert that was in the bulletin. Um, We invite you to join us. We're going to be here at the church. We're really every day next week from 7 o'clock until about 9. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday we're gathering together just simply for prayer. We're going to have subjects that night. We're just going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for our community, pray for the church. Thursday we're going to go back into Psalm 22. We'll finish that. Friday, good, uh, good Friday message, and then Easter Sunday. If you show up at 10, you're going to be betwixt and between. So we have two services, 8.30 and 11 o'clock. And then Easter Sunday evening, we are canceling our service. So just pray, what does the Lord want to do, and how does the Lord want to use you to achieve it? God bless you guys.
1: As we close with this
2: last song, it's one that we do quite often here at the church, and the uh, chorus goes like this, Like a bride waiting for her groom, will be a church ready for you. So, are you a part of that church that is ready? He's coming soon. There'll be prayer up here in the front if you desire prayer.